Hey, hey, it's GMAC on behalf of Brett McGarry and Loren McNabb. Loren working on connecting Winnipeg this week and next. Brett McGarry working from home as he battles a bug. We have a treat for you today, including at the top of my list, our interaction with Richard Cloutier this morning. We are talking about derelict and abandoned buildings and houses in our community. And Richard Cloutier live on the air with us this morning and as part of this podcast, knocks on the door of an abandoned building that he's quite certain people are inside of we'll share that with you along with conversations about the real estate market the impact of abandoned and derelict buildings and also we'll visit with bob irving our weekly visit with the former voice of the winnipeg blue bombers conversation about all things sports that and much else coming up next it's the start on demand let's get right down to business It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg this week and next week. And for the next, well, couple of days at least, things are going to sound a little different. Because, Greg, I, uh, I've managed to avoid it for two and a half years. But I am finally dipping my toe in the water of working from home. Well, it's like the voice of God in my ears here. I'm in your studio and I'm looking across at the seat that you normally sit in, mm-hmm. and you're not there. But then yeah. your voice, your your deep, your your sultry tones are in my ears, and this is new. We've tried this show and done this show in just about every single configuration imaginable, but this is brand new. Yep, I have been in the studio since the start, and um, there was one week where I was sick had to run the, the day that you were sp- <laughs> the day that you were of course the the, uh, the worst possible day ever the day that you were heading to hamilton right for the gray cup that's right and i i woke up sick and i zipped over to the Nairn avenue testing site and my pcr test came back negative um but i still missed a few days at work and i didn't have a work from home kit and it was funny because we were you know we mentioned i mentioned yesterday off the top that i was curious about allergies and Loren did lots on allergies yesterday on Connecting Winnipeg, pointing to uh, ragweed, likely uh, a significant part of the problem, and that allergy seasons seem to be extending. So I thought my allergies have just been, well, they have been out of control, but I just got spooked. I thought, you know what, if if I go down sick uh, with Loren doing Connecting Winnipeg, that kind of leaves Mackling in the lurch. So I, I begged, I begged our engineers, Hey, could I get a work? From, well, I didn't beg them. I just said, Hey, could I get a work from home kit? Maybe I made myself sick. I don't know. I've got, I've caught some sort of a bug here. The test came back negative, but, uh, uh, here I am sitting on, I'm, I'm sitting on my floor <laughs> with the laptop on my coffee table. Uh, you sleep there quite often. So you're essentially <laughs> Brett doing the show from bed. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. So we'll uh, hopefully have no technical issues. I think I've troubleshot everything already. I tested everything out yesterday just in case I had to fire it up this morning. So, um, yeah. But uh, in the meantime, we have lots to discuss today. You heard it in in Brittany Green or in Jeff Brun's newscast. Brittany Greenslade and Richard Cloutier have both put in some significant work here on vacant and derelict buildings. Yeah, they may have put in as many hours as there are derelict buildings listed in Winnipeg. 600 and plus is the number. I think 612 is the exact number they're using uh, over the next couple of days. Richard Cloutier will join us later on this morning. But this is a a problem in my mind, Brett, that encapsulates so many of the other issues in our community. Everything from homelessness, the rise in crime, addiction, the meth crisis – and economic development and the disparity between that in that development between certain parts of the city. And then others will point to uh, speculation in the real estate market as being a problem that is uh, creating some of these vacant homes, some of these vacant buildings, uh, prospectors who are buying up property, anticipating it going up in value, holding on to it, but not interested in doing anything with it in the meantime. So there's multiple layers, multiple levels to this story, to this situation. And once again, I think it encapsulates 
probably 90% of the issues we're having as a community are found within this story, different layers of it. So we're going to hear the feature that Richard Cluche put together. That's coming up at 6.35, and then Richard will join us live at 7.35, and we'll have much more on this through the day on 680 CJOB. Also, we have lots of stuff to give away once again. We have bomber tickets to give away for tomorrow night's game against Calgary. So we'll give those away just after 8.35 when we speak with Bob Irving for our weekly sports chat. And we have tickets for Gulliver Returns, four-pack, family tickets and treats at Landmark Cinemas. And that is an exclusive movie to Landmark Cinemas. And we've got WWE Friday Night Smackdown tickets. Yeah, baby. At 6.45, we're going to ask you, what's the scariest thing you've ever done, whether you wanted to or not perhaps it was a thrill-seeking situation or maybe you volunteered for or you didn't volunteer something you didn't sign up for like i remember once mackling because i know you don't like roller coasters didn't you go on a ride that you did not realize was as significant as it was you have a good memory uh i will have to investigate uh, to remember the name of it but it was at valley fair in minneapolis it was very well hidden from sort of the main theme park it kind of goes out into the back 40 and uh, i thought it was going to be a fairly fast roller coaster but maybe more on the subdued side and uh very quickly realized we were going up probably a 17 18 story climb <laughs> i said what's going on here and the little and I, at the time i would have considered her a little girl sitting in the car in front of me with brendan looks back at me and goes mister you never been on this ride before i said never she goes it's really fast <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i was an unwilling participant but i do go on rides especially maybe not as much now but when my kids were younger i went on all the rides that they wanted to go on even though i didn't care for them necessarily you know, I always thought about, well, what if that roller coaster, because it does happen, gets stuck on the track for two or three hours. I don't want them on that roller coaster by themselves. So I suck it up and I go on the roller coaster with them and they get a kick out of it. Oh, we can hear you screaming, Dad. Oh, that was great. Uh, the, the California screaming at Disneyland is uh, very much an adult roller coaster. And, uh, well, my kids handled it way better than I did. Mackling and McGarry, I'm working from home for the first time. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg from 10 until 12. Apparently, I said it's Thursday. It's Wednesday. I don't remember saying it's Thursday. Well. Do you remember that? I don't. I know you referenced Thursday, but I didn't check the tape. The point is uh, today is Wednesday. Tomorrow is Thursday. Blue Bomber game day. Uh, Stick with us here, your voice of the Blue Bombers, as we get you prepared for the third of three meetings, at least in the regular season, between the Blue Bombers and the Stampeders. The Bombers looking to sweep the season series. Brett, uh, Bob Irving will join us at 8.37 or thereabouts to have a conversation about the Blue Bombers, about the Jets, and Chris Streveler, amongst other sportsings topics today. So we reference this off the top. You're hearing Jeff Braun discuss it in his newscast. It's a growing problem in our city. Hundreds of abandoned and derelict buildings. In the days ahead, several stories and guests on all our 680 CJOB and global news platforms on how these houses and buildings have become fire traps, risking the lives of firefighters and those who use them as shelter. And in some cases, Brett, drug dens and where human trafficking occurs. 680 CJOB's Richard Cluche now on the problem and one woman's frustration with her neighbor. It was beautiful. It was uh, a lot of older people in the neighborhood were trying to just start moving out, so younger families were moving in. I used to come to the cells here all the time. Tracy Ball has lived at the corner of Matheson and Maine for 27 years. The lovely lady that lived in it before lived to one day before 100 years old. She was awesome. She kept the house amazing, even at 99. As older owners moved out or passed away, new absentee Um, landlords snapped up the houses. And in the case right next door, a slow but steady decline. It was, for the first while, not boarded up at all. And then attics started breaking into it. Um, Scrappers started going through the yards. Um, The fences were broken out. I could hear windows smashing at night. I would call 911. They would come out the next day because nobody was at risk and there are enough things they're fighting where people are at risk. 
and I get it, but it got worse and worse and worse. There was nights where it was three different times, three different groups. The city has a record of over 600 buildings similar to this. How long have you been with the Winnipeg Fire Paramedics? Uh, 28 years. Is this acceptable? It's not acceptable from our standpoint because as this stands here, it is a risk for the community and it's a risk for our crews to keep coming back. It's a drain on resources. We really want to work together with everybody to try and make these kinds of things go away. Scott Wilkinson is Assistant Chief Community Risk Reduction with the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service. We're outside one of several burned out houses on Alfred and College Avenue. Buildings that have been set on fire but still standing. Some are fenced, others have plywood on the doors and windows, but they're still broken into. And just with the way it's put on, I can, I can just pull this off without tools, so that's a concern. People are still finding ways to get in to sleep and do other things. Okay, you got any drugs on you? Yes. What do you got? Okay, where is it? Okay, just leave your hands right there, okay? Rob Duchin is a staff sergeant with Winnipeg Police. We're inside a Main Street building. This used you? to be an internet pharmacy 20 years ago. He grabbed a piece of this conduit, right? He was prepared to defend himself using a piece of metal conduit. How quickly and how badly can that escalate, particularly if the person's in a state of um, drug intoxication? And now you're precipitating a force encounter, all because the building couldn't get secured. Some of these abandoned buildings end up as trap houses, the term used to describe places where drugs and human trafficking occurs. In some instances, we find as fast as we can secure the building, people see us leave and they're back trying to get inside the structure. So you can see that space right Duchin under there. Duchin and right? Wilkinson are um, part of a city committee attempting to get these buildings either can, fixed up, replaced in. or demolished. That's a, that's a problem. Um, represents an opportunity for somebody to the work is slow, in. and as we will tell you in the days ahead, filled with obstacles. The building that's potentially going to fall down or is creating a, a safety hazard, uh, it's our obligation and our authority then to either we can have some dem demolition done or we can fence and secure like this. So we will call a contractor out if possible to securely board under the uh, vacant building boarding bylaw and possibly fence if it can't be securely boarded. So it would appear this is what's happened here. We've had multiple fires at this location. The trick is it's supposed to be temporary uh, and after the fact we no longer have legal authority as the fire paramedic service to engage in it once we leave the scene. So then we have to work with our partners in uh, community bylaw and particularly planning property and development to try to get ownership to demolish or remediate this. When did it burn? Uh, last Thursday morning we were woken up. My daughter stayed over. And back on Matheson? A fire last week destroyed the house next door to Tracy Ball. Came into my room, shaking me, going, get up, get up. I can't see out the windows for smoke. And then there was a knock on the door telling us to evacuate. Uh, I'm busy grabbing documents and where's the cat? Where's the cat carrier? And she's laughing at me because I'm trying to gather the photo albums. Um, and I'm trying to gather cat food. And she's like, mom, leave it. We have what we need to go and we need to go. Uh, they made sure all the windows were closed in my house. And then they just doused it. And Are you glad it burnt down? I am glad the problems that the home brought have hopefully finished. Am I sad that the house is burnt down? Yes. But still, there's the house on the other side. Oh yeah, they're already in on the second story. I'll show you the windows when we go around. But this place was exquisite. It is absolutely gorgeous. There were amazing gardens. It was, everybody loved this yard. Everybody loved the couple that lived We all used to talk that that danger zone was from Selkirk to downtown. And then it was Mountain to downtown. And then it was Inkster to downtown. Well, we're past Inkster now. And when do we start saying that the whole thing is now a problem? It is a complete north end problem. It's, it's citywide, it's, but this would not have been allowed to happen on the south side. They would have had somebody out far sooner. The north end, nope, sorry. We don't, we don't have enough people to help you. So we burn. We end up demolished. We end up not fixing up homes that could still house people and young families. In this day and age when there's so many homeless, what could we do to help? This would be part of that start, to have these homes livable. 
Christy Ball at Matheson in Maine, speaking to Richard Cluche, who's going to join us later on the start at 7.35. Scott Wilkinson from Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service will join Loren on Connecting Winnipeg after 10 o'clock. And yes, police arrested that man in the vacant building on Main Street. But, uh, you know, I knew this was a problem, but just hearing that piece of five-and-a-half-minute audio from Richard Cluche, I had no idea how bad things are, Greg. Well, I'm very familiar with Matheson Avenue. I used to own a house on Matheson Avenue. And uh, let me tell you, that is uh, when when uh, Tracy Ball was talking about those lines that, that we draw in our head or those lines that we draw for our comfort. Uh, Inkster was sort of a magic line in my mind when I was looking at uh, investment property and... Um, to hear that that this problem is now creeping further northward is bothersome. The fact that it exists at all, Brett, is very reminiscent of uh, the early 1990s in this community when the North End, you could buy a house for for a thousand bucks at one point because people were just, there were vacant uh, houses everywhere. Obviously, the dollars and cents involved are much, much larger now. And uh, the problem as I mentioned earlier, is creating issues just in that story alone. Already issues with the amount of police resources that we have. Well, how many uh, police resources are being tied up with having to babysit uh, these derelict and boarded up homes? We will have more on this with Richard at 735 and much more through the day on 680 CJOB. It's Mackling and McGarry McNabb on Connecting Winnipeg from 10 until 12. Yesterday, our colleague Corey Callahan from Global News Morning. Mr. Mackling, what did Corey do yesterday? Well, he did something that I would never do, something that you did, what, 10 years ago? And he, re- least, yeah. he repelled down the Manitoba Hydro building. It was a different building. I think it was the RBC building that you did. But yeah. uh, he did that, uh, you know, for charity, for raising awareness and... Uh, yeah, he was the first guy down, repelling off the Manitoba Hydro building. And uh, yeah, I tip my hat to to Corey for, for harnessing up and, and getting that done. So we want to use that as the launch pad for today's conversation in which you can win yourself some tickets to see WWE Friday Night Smackdown live at Canada Life Centre. And we are going to pick a winner at 9.15. What's the scariest thing you've ever done? whether you wanted to do it or not. So like, let's say you volunteered to go skydiving or something, or maybe you found yourself in a situation you really didn't want to be in. Like uh, Jeff Braun, for example, I seem to remember you ended up at the movie It Against Your Will. Yeah, that was uh, just a exercise in miscommunication between uh, myself, my girlfriend, and one of her friends. And uh, the movie was, the lights were going down, and all of a sudden her friend goes, why are we watching this? I don't want to be here. And we were like, we thought it was your idea. None of us wanted to be there, but uh, we ended up seeing it anyways. Uh, as for that repelling adventure, I actually chickened out of that uh, 10 or 15 years ago myself. They asked me to do it, and I said, sure. And about a week ahead of time, I got back in touch with it. I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this. There's just no way. Uh, I can't do it. Terrified of heights. Maybe that's how I ended up doing it. Maybe I was the backup. <laughs> <laughs> and don't you also sort of think that they take, like, the least valuable player to go do that sort of thing? Because it's like, yeah. <laughs> If we lose Braun in this one, no biggie. He's replacing. <laughs> wow. Uh, I had not thought a... of it that way, Jeff. <laughs> Only you would think of it that way. Yeah, I can count on Jeff to go to the morbid place. Uh, that's good stuff, bud. Um, Cameron Poitras, what about you? Uh, my fear of like roller coasters and rides. Um, I've learned that you need to embrace the fear. It's part of the fun. And being nervous and scared getting into the seat is is all part of the entire experience. I, I remember I was on the Tower of Terror in uh, Disney World for the first time, and I've been on it a few times since, and it still scares the it scares the daylight the daylights out of me heading into it. The whole entire Twilight Zone sort of thing. It, it's it's a lot of fun. But I remember the first time I got on there, I I, I didn't think that my belt was buckled securely, so I, f- I feared that my life was in danger. So I try to get the attendant's uh, attention. I was like, "Sir, sir, excuse me, sir. I, I, I'm not sure this belt is working properly." Um, uh, and the kid just, uh, 
watching me pull on this yellow strap, which was on the on this on the seatbelt. And he looked at me, kind of rolled his eyes and he walked away, ignoring me. I guess he gets that a lot. But then I, I, I now know that if you can pull on the yellow strap, it means that everything is OK and safe. So I was I was freaking out a bit, but it was um, it's a lot of fun. Like that was one thing that I've eventually been able to get over. And it's I'm very happy that I have because I, I, I really, really enjoy roller coasters and rides and stuff like that. So I'll ask you and Greg, with when it comes to roller coasters, what part is scarier to you? Is it the ascent, the slow climb to the top, or is it the once you get going? Uh, the ascent. The whole the whole Greg, th- leading up to it, leading up to it is, is the worst. I find. Well, what do they say? The only thing worse than death is the anticipation of death. <laughs> and yeah. So, of course, uh, you know you're going to survive these things uh, 999,999 times out of a million or whatever the odds are of anything going sideways. Uh, yes, but it is that anticipation. But I hate the feeling of the drop. I don't mind going upside down. But I, what's what's the big the big ship the pirate ship that sort of swings back and forth and you hang up in the air and you go back and forth back. I don't like that hanging in midair thing and then away you go. I don't mind once I get going, I'm fine. It's that first initial that initial drop that that I don't like and that Hollywood. Uh, what is it? The Hollywood Hotel or Drop of Terror? What do they call it? Tower of Terror. Yeah, Tower no, of Terror? I love the drop. Oh, I, love I hate the drop. it. That's I hate, why I, I hate, live hate for that. It. Yeah, live yeah. For it. But I guess the time I sort of sucked it up was for my little brother. He had fallen off his bike or cut himself. I don't remember the circumstance, but he had a gash either in his hand or in his head. And we were at the hospital and he was going to need stitches. And of course, they've got to put that needle in side the wound in order to numb it and to put the anesthetic so that they can sew it up. I don't like needles at all, but I sucked it up and was uh, Mr. Calm and, and, and helped him. And I had to he- hold his, I, now I remember it was his head because I kind of had, had to help the, the, the nurse or the doctor uh, hold his head down while that, while that needle went inside of his head. And it was totally against my, my normal way of reaction when it comes to needles, but uh, I sucked it up for my uh, baby brother and uh, he still doesn't appreciate it to this day. <laughs> hey, by the way, if anybody knows that name of that pirate ship ride, I think that's what from the Red River X. That's the one I'm uh, thinking of. Isn't yes. it just called pirate ship? Is it? I, I can't remember. I know that uh, there have been several iterations of that ship? style of ride. <laughs> I can't remember. But if anybody knows, 204-780-6868. Uh, Fortier, what's your scary thing? Um... Being in a car with a bad driver, especially on the highway, and this being eight, when I was 18 years old, me and uh, my friends went camping, and my buddy's car also was a, I don't know what year it was, but it was a two-door Suzuki Swift, which the engine sounded like it was a lawnmower engine, and I don't know how fast he was going, but that car was shaking, and I'm in the back seat, and I have no control, so, like, my fear was, like, oh, man, like, if we crash, like, there's nothing. Like, that car is so tiny, and we had tents and sleeping bags, and, like, there's no room for nothing. Like, if we were to crash, I would have been a goner. So, ooh-wee. <laughs> Just, oh, the anxiety. The anxiety. The anxiety right the now. anxiety. Get me. And it uh, looks like the ride might be called the Tidal Wave. One of our listeners says the Tidal Wave. Who wants to ride the Tidal Wave? So here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win Friday night SmackDown tickets, September 30th, Canada Life Center, WWE. What's the scary thing that you've done? The scariest thing you've ever done, whether you wanted to or not. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. I am working from home for the first time since March of 2020. And we're asking you, question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. When you do something you wouldn't do normally, like Global's Corey Callahan rappelling down the Manitoba Hydro Building for the Easter Seals drop zone, why do you do it? So you can weigh in at cjob.com. And we're asking you for a chance to win SmackDown tickets, WWE Friday Night SmackDown, September 30th, Canada Life Center, about the scariest thing you've ever done, whether you wanted to or not. And Jay 
Mr. Mackling, with an intense story. I would say this is very much not volunteered for. This isn't anything Jay was expecting. A few years back, I experienced the most intense roller coaster ride of my life. I was tossed up, down, side to side, back and forth. But there was one small problem. I wasn't on a roller coaster. I was on an airplane. I was on a trip to Dallas, Texas. As it turned out, our flight was trying to land in the worst thunderstorm the Dallas area had experienced in the previous 20 years. The wind shear tossed the plane around like a child playing with a toy. At one point, a sudden downdraft made the plane drop several hundred feet in a matter of seconds. The pilots had to bank extremely sharply to keep us on course for the runway. We were trying to land in the same conditions that had caused a plane crash in 1985 at the same airport. I remember that, Jay. By a combination of luck and mad skills of the flight crew, we landed safely. After that ride, I decreed, if I ever go back to Texas, I am driving. I decreed. (laughs) I love that. That's fantastic, Jay. Glad you made it. And uh, keep those stories coming for a chance to win those tickets. We're going to pick a winner at 9.15. Reminder that we have Bomber tickets to give away for tomorrow night's game at IG Field. Bombers and Stamps. The Stamps versus the Champs. We'll give those away just after 8.30 when we talk to Bob Irving for our weekly sports chat. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. If you're wondering what's up with my voice, I'm under the weather. I'm working from home. First time. I've been able to avoid it since the beginning of the pandemic, but at long last, I am working from home. And look, we're just going to get right into this here. We're 63 days away from Winnipeg's civic election on October 26th. There are several issues which are demanding our attention as we head for a change in political leadership in our city. When we discuss crime, homelessness, downtown safety, addiction, and other challenges our city faces, Brett, we know that the solutions to these issues are multi-leveled and very much interconnected. Over the next two days, we are focusing on a problem that continues to grow, especially in the north end of Winnipeg, abandoned and derelict buildings. In Tracy Ball's case... She's dealt with the decline of the neighbor's home for almost seven years. It was beautiful. It was uh, a lot of older people in the neighborhood were trying to just start moving out, so younger families were moving in. I used to come to the Salser all the time. Tracy Ball has lived at the corner of Matheson and Maine for 27 years. Even at 99. As older owners moved out or passed away, new absentee Um, landlords snapped up the houses. And in the case right next door, a slow but steady decline. It was, for the first while, not boarded up at all. And then attics started breaking into it. Um, Scrappers started going through the yards. Um, The fences were broken out. It's not acceptable from our standpoint because as this stands here, it is a risk for the community and it's a risk for our crews to keep coming back. It's a drain on resources. Scott Wilkinson is Assistant Chief Community Risk Reduction with the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service. We're outside one of several burned-out houses on Alfred and College Avenue. Buildings that have been set on fire, but still standing. Just with the way it's put on, I can, I can just pull this off without tools, so that's a concern. People are still finding ways to get in to sleep and do other things. Okay, you got any drugs on you? Yes. What do you got? Yeah. Okay, where is it? Okay, just leave your hands right there, okay? Mm-hmm. Rob Duchin is a staff sergeant with Winnipeg Police. We're inside a Main Street building. This used to be an internet pharmacy 20 years ago. He grabbed a piece of this conduit, right? He was prepared to defend himself using a piece of metal conduit. How quickly and how badly can that escalate, particularly if the person's in a state of um, drug intoxication? And now you're precipitating a force encounter, all because the building couldn't get secured. So the issues of abandoned and vacant buildings is an economic development issue. It's a housing shortage issue, an addiction issue, a crime issue. 
It's really a collage of Winnipeg's largest challenges right now. And Richard Cloutier joins us from Matheson Avenue. And Richard, you've shared with Brett and I a picture of, of what you're looking at right now. And it really it encapsulates what you're seeing right now. So many of the things that, that are facing our city as challenges uh, right here, right now. This is a good neighborhood, guys. I just had the Salisbury House coffee. I've got it in my hand. Opposite on Main Street is the North End Bus Depot. Tracy Ball lives at the corner, the northeast corner of Main and Matheson. The burnt-out shell of a building, and it's rubble everywhere. There was a lot of stuff in this. There's a cat sifting through. Earlier today, I'm told that there were people going through the rubbish looking for scrap so that they could turn into cash. And then on the other side, guys, of this house, and by the way, there was a woman who lived here for years and she died just short of her 100th birthday. Absentee landlord takes over and then boom. I'm next door to the burnt out shell where there's another abandoned building. The plywood is now off the front window and a knock on the door because clearly uh, it has been breached here. See if there's anybody home. Okay, it's open. Hello, is there anybody here? What I'm looking at, and I will not go inside, but this building has been breached. There are people that have been here. There are cards here. This is a lovely home, but it has been breached. And there are probably people living upstairs. I'm going to leave here for my own safety. Guys, this was considered to be a very safe neighborhood. It's still considered a safe neighborhood. Neighbors are outraged by this, and they want something done. Richard, I know the answer to this is is not, it's way more complicated, but I'm going to ask a simple question anyway. Why don't they just tear these vacant buildings down? It's a great question. And the problem is our city bylaws and there's some provincial legislation here as well. And over the next two days, we're gonna tell you the story of the red tape involved in this. Now, with our ride along, we have had the support of the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service. Christian Schmidt, the chief there is fully on board. The police service is on board. Bylaw enforcement is on board. The organization that really is struggling with this is property and development because there are so many hurdles to take over these properties. Again, for those landlords that are here, that are conscious, that are trying to do something, we're not targeting you, but there are others that live here, others that don't live here, that really it's all about a check and it's all about taking advantage of others. And then when fire hits, they leave. And it can take not weeks, months, and sometimes years for the city of Winnipeg to take title. But Brett and Greg, there needs to be, and our series is going to point this out, there needs to be a lot more focus on this at City Hall. So for the mayoral candidates, before you promise and put out the press release, listen to our series, go to globalnews.ca and cjob.com get educated on this because there are several hurdles to this process. And over the next couple of days, we're going to tell you what other cities are doing about this. But guys, it takes political will. It takes a real concerted effort, both at City Hall and the Manitoba Legislature, to do something about this. Because 10 years ago, the building that I'm looking at that's rubble was a beautiful home. The one next door, only a year ago, is a beautiful home, and now you've got people squatting there. Richard, before we let you go here, I want your input on this. Like, it, for people who are listening to this this morning and, and think as, as far too often I think we do when it comes to crime and other, and other problems in our city, if it's not happening in my backyard, then it's not a problem. However, this situation is putting a drain on already strained resources at Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service, at the Winnipeg Police Service. It has to be impacting response times all over the city. It is, and um, firefighters are now at the point where, 
in many of these homes, they do a defensive attack on it. But the problem is if there's squatters inside, that's human beings. And they will go in and make every effort to rescue those people. Um, and Tracy Ball says, hey, if this was in the South End, there'd be a more concerted effort. And that's a very good talking point and something I think people should weigh in um, at 204-780-6868. If this were to happen in other neighborhoods, would there be the outrage? I'm telling you now, this is part of a very good neighborhood that is slowly, slowly starting to see what has happened in other parts of the North End. And it takes will, but it also is connected to um, the derelicts are connected to the homelessness issue. It's connected to the pressure that is put on our police and our fire resources. But the bottom line is other cities are doing a whole lot better than what we are doing. And again, over the next couple of days, we're going to tell you what other cities are doing about this. And it comes down to political will, not just calling 311. It's the councillors, it's the mayor, it's the premier's office as to whether or not you actually want to do something about this. 680 CJOB's Richard Cloutier, co-host of the News, weekdays from 3 until 6, with Julie Buckingham joining us live from Matheson Avenue. Richard, thank you very much for this. You bet. Tracy Ball at Matheson in Maine is going to join uh, Richard Cloutier. Uh, or Richard Cloutier spoke with her in that piece, and Scott Wilkinson from the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service is going to join Loren on Connecting Winnipeg just after 10, and we'll have much more, as Richard said, through the day, through tomorrow, and you can read more at cjob.com. That was pretty gripping stuff, Greg, listening to to Richard poke his head into that uh, property. I was not expecting that. I wasn't expecting that either, but, you know, here we are, and uh, this is a story that needs to be told in a vivid fashion because it's not getting the attention that it deserves. So uh, kudos to Brittany Greenslade at Global Television. Kudos to Richard Cluche of CJOB and everyone that's been involved in compiling the stories behind this story because it's impacting our entire community, whether you've got an abandoned building, an abandoned building or abandoned home in your neighborhood or on your street, this is affecting you somehow, some way. Was my microphone on there that time, Greg? It was. Mine was not. <laughs> quickly okay. turn it on to answer your question. <laughs> it's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg this week. And next week, I am working from home first time since the beginning of the pandemic. Feeling just slightly, ever so slightly under the weather. We're asking you at 204-780-6868, before we introduce our next guest, we want to know about the scariest thing you've ever done, whether you wanted to or not, inspired by our Global News colleague, Corey Callahan, who rappelled down the Manitoba Hydro Building yesterday for the Easter Seals drop zone. What does Pat have to say? So I assume this was willingly, Brett. It would be impossible not to know you were going to do this. My husband and I rode the death road on bikes in Bolivia in 2018. 69 kilometers straight down, starting at 15,000 feet. No guardrails. Terrifying. And I'm looking at an article here from discovery.com that asks the question, is Bolivia's death road still the world's most dangerous road? This is from September of 2019. And all the statistics and all the stories within this article would indicate, yeah, this is pretty much the most dangerous road in the world. It's at no point is it ever wider than 10 feet. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's... nearly 300 drivers were killed here every year until 1994. Good Lord. All right. Yeah, that's scary stuff. 204-780-6868. We'll pick a winner at 9.15 for the SmackDown tickets. Friday night SmackDown. And a reminder, we have bomber tickets to give away at the end of this segment. But we're going to start with Winnipeg Jets assistant Captain Mark Shifley, who has been on a bit of a media tour over the past week and fresh off his cpga experience at the manitoba open shifley joined cam and jim on jets at noon yesterday and these comments caught the attention of our next guest yeah i'm really excited you know i think you know i've had a lot of good conversations i met with scott o'neill when i was in winnipeg this past week um which was great you know we still haven't we you know i haven't really had a conversation with any of them about you know actual x's and o's or anything like that i'm sure that's going to come uh closer to closer to the camp obviously um you know but they've been great communicators which i you know i'm really 
you know, which I'm really happy about, you know, they're, they're great at communicating. They, you know, ask that, you know, they like to, they like to ask questions and, you know, get my point of view, which, you know, I'm a guy that thinks hockey, you know, all day long and, and, and loves the game. So, you know, I, I really, I really appreciate the conversations I've had with them. They're fantastic guys. You know, they want to talk the game. They want to figure out what, what's going to make us the best team possible. And, you know, that's what I really appreciated about getting to know them over just, over just phone calls and texts, just because they, you know, they want to reach out. They want to talk. They want to talk the game. They want to figure out what, what's going on. And, you know, that's something I kind of really haven't had um, the last little while. Let's say good morning to some guy who really likes sports, Winnipeg sports in particular. Good morning, Bob Irving. Good morning, you guys. Brett, you sound like Walter Cronkite. Oh, I'll take that compliment as well. One of our listeners suggested I sound like former CJOB traffic king Brian Barkley. Or maybe Jeff Daniels. I don't know. You sound weird, Brett. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You sound great. You really do. You sound terrific. <laughs> well, let's shift gears here and get to the task at hand because uh, this could go on a tangent real easily with the, this, the group of uh, of talkers that we've got here. Uh, Shifley's postseason comments last spring, I don't think I need to remind you or most of our listeners, kind of left a bad taste in the mouths of some Jets fans. And, and I know you're a huge fan of Mark Shifley's, uh, Bob. You have been since day one. And Shifley is working hard to convey his commitment to the Jets over the last week in particular. What was it in that clip which caught your attention? Well, and he said it about uh, a few days ago, too, Greg, uh, when he was interviewed at the Manitoba Open. He talked about what great communicators Scott O'Neill and Rick Bonus are, and they are. I mean, that's one of Rick Bonus's strengths is that he is a great listener and loves to talk to the players and get their thoughts and all the rest of it. And I think that's one of the reasons he was hired but when Shifley said, I've never had that here, uh, that struck me as a little bit surprising, a little bit odd maybe. If Paul Maurice was anything, uh, I, I would have thought he was a good communicator and a guy who would listen and talk to the players. Um, and I, I kind of wondered how he would have felt when he heard those comments. Now, you know, we're not in the locker room. We don't know how often Paul Maurice consulted Mark Shifley or asked his opinion or communicated with them on a one-on-one level. So, uh, you know, that's something that we're just going to have to uh, put to the side because none of us really know. But it just struck me as interesting that he would say that. I've never had that before. Uh, And sometimes, to me, Shifley says things that don't sound very well thought out and and maybe don't come out the way he intends them. You know, I've, I've had that impression of him all the while he's been here. So uh, the good news is he's happy with the uh, bonus and, and Scott Arneal. And I'm not surprised by that. Those are two individuals who are, like I say, good listeners and who will talk to the players and communicate with them. They'll all know where they stand totally. And I'm a big fan, as you say, of Mark Shifley. I think he's a terrific player. You know, those who criticize him for his defensive shortcomings, you, you know, great offensive players often have defensive shortcomings, and you live with those. So to me, a happy Mark Shifley, a productive Mark Shifley, will only be good news for the Winnipeg Jets this season. Now, speaking of the Jets, got to talk about Chris Strebler making quite the impression in New York Jets training camp and we i'll just quickly point out we had someone ask us yesterday one of our listeners said why is chris strevler the only nfl player you guys talk about on cjob well it's not the only one but he's the main one because he's a former winnipeg blue bomber he's a legend he's beloved by many in this city so of course we're going to follow him as he chases his nfl dream and given how he's playing well uh, any thought you got to think any thoughts of strevy returning to the cfl this season at least have to be pretty much over right yeah, we don't know what's going to happen with the final cut spread in the NFL. Uh, Strebler went in there as number three or number four on their depth chart, but surely he's moved up in the Jets quarterback depth chart. And his running ability, I've seen the highlight clips of him taking off and running. Of course, we saw that here when he was a blue bomber. Those are things that uh, you would think a coach could use. They didn't use them in Arizona for whatever reason, uh, but maybe the New York Jets will take advantage of them. So it looks like, you know, when you play well in the preseason the way he has, uh, your chances of making the team are very good, and especially because of that added dimension that he brings with his ability to run. So I think we're all happy for Chris Strebler. How could we not be? Everybody loved the guy. His teammates here loved him, and, you know, he needs 
I think, three or four more games on an NFL roster to qualify for his pension when his playing days are over. So we're all pulling for him. I think we're all happy for him, and it's great to see. Yeah, D. Alford, I think, had an interception in that game. I don't think it came off of Strevler Bob, uh, but he's making an impact in Atlanta Falcons camp. And Drew Desjardins, uh, the offensive lineman, I think is second on the depth chart for the New England Patriots with nobody behind him there. So that indicates to me that he's pretty much sewn up a a spot on the Patriots roster. Well, I I think what it proves, Greg, and I've been saying this for all the years I've covered the CFL, the the difference in talent level between here and the NFL is is minimal. It's marginal. We all know the, the biggest and best are in the National Football League, or most of them are anyway. But, you know, the top players in the CFL are certainly capable of playing down there if they get a chance, and many times they don't. But DeJarle is a young player, so is Alford. And young players, you know, a lot of the players in the CFL who established themselves are in their mid to late 20s. And then NFL teams just aren't going to take a serious look at them because of the age factor. So, yeah, it's good to see those guys all doing well. I know the Bombers would love to see Desjardins come back. He's a Canadian. <laughs> He's a fabulous old lineman. And I don't think there's any question uh, that he would add something to their offensive line. But it looks like he's going to stick down there. Sorry, I had the uh, volume up on the computer here as I was frantically trying to find this clip. I didn't know we were going to go down this path here, Bob. Otherwise, I would have had this handy. This is just 35 seconds from Chad Johnson. Some people know him as Ocho Cinco, NFL star, recently commenting on his time in the Canadian Football League and how he underestimated the the play and the quality of the players. Let's give this a quick listen here. Listen, in the CFL, there's only 1,500 players in the NFL, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I go to the CFL and thinking, okay, this is going to be a breeze. This is going to be a breeze. I get there, first practice, I'm like, whoa, these dudes are good. And so every week we would play a different team, Toronto, Saskatchewan. And I'm looking at the landscape, like, why are you not down there? The numbers. The numbers. There's only so many people in certain opportunities. And, you know, dude. The CFL was really very surprising because everybody was good. They were good enough to be down here playing in the NFL. So there you go. There's Chad Johnson and his take on his time in the, in the Canadian Football League and just how good the players are here. Yeah, I heard those comments, and uh, I think he summed it up beautifully that a lot of players come up here, especially those who have been in the NFL. They come up here, and they think it's a sort of a second-rate league, and the players aren't that good, and they very quickly learn that that's not the case. So... You know, it's good to hear somebody who played in the NFL and excelled in the NFL say those things and say them very sincerely. Bob, Bob that's where we got to leave it. Oh, okay. Oh, we got more time. Go ahead, Brett. Well, I was just going to we'll, – we'll take 60 seconds here. But uh, the, the team sold – the Bombers have sold 27,500 tickets for tomorrow night's game versus Calgary. And, you know, obviously winning is a terrific recipe for selling tickets. But what could some of the other CFL teams learn from the Blue Bombers? Well, you could learn to win 26 of your last 29 games. That would go a long way to, to sell tickets, Brad. I, I don't know. You know, Wade Miller does so many things right. But look, nothing trumps winning. And the fans around here are, are hopping on the bandwagon. And I don't say that in a, in a negative or cynical way. Uh, the Bombers are on such a run. They're an entertaining team. They're a winning team. They're a fun team to watch. Everybody wants to take a look at them. So... You know, I think it's all about the streak they're on, the streak of success that they're on, that, you know, people are lining up to buy tickets to be part of this incredible ride. It's like being on a, you know, some sort of ride at Disneyland where you can't wait to get in line and get involved in it. And that's kind of what it's all about here right now. And good on Wade Miller and his gang because they've created a a real monster here right now in, in the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the success they're having. All right, Bob Irving joining us live on 680 CJOB. Always a pleasure, Mr. Irving. And if you are going to the game tomorrow, don't forget to maybe take a look at their feature item, the chicken and waffle sandwich, which they uh, we sampled this week. Thank you very much to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for letting us try that out. Had this really nice uh, honey, they called it honey stung. The chicken is honey stung. And it was good. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. We're going to hear from her at 9.50 to see what she's got coming up from 10 until 12. I'm working from home for the first time since 
the beginning of the pandemic, hopefully back in the office soon, just feeling a tad like a teensy weensy bit under the weather. And uh, before we introduce our next guest here, Greg, we told the story last half hour. We're asking you about scary things that you've done, uh, the scariest thing you've ever done, whether you wanted to or not. And gentleman says uh, back in the mid 60s, me and four buddies took this old 49 Ford to the gravel pits and took turns rolling it. And uh, we even took it to a high cliff and pushed it down while some of us were in it, landed upside down and was still running when we left. We all lived. And uh, someone else has weighed in. Paul in Silver Heights is Holy smokes, I was I was one of those gravel pit kids. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Small world. Yeah, you know, that's Manitoba exemplified right there. First of all, I was wondering, did this happen out of province? Where did they find a giant cliff to push a truck off in the first place? Did this happen outside the city? Uh, we don't need any details on this, but I caught this out of the corner of my eye. I'm going, yeah, of course. Somebody who was involved in these shenanigans was listening this morning. And that's truly one of the things I love most about our job is is the connections. I know the, the show between 10 and 12 is called Connecting Winnipeg, but the connections that we make uh, between 6 and 10 are, are pretty powerful. So we are going to pick a winner for the WWE Friday Night Smackdown tickets in our next segment based on your text on the scariest stuff you've ever done, whether you wanted to. Or not. Now, earlier this month, the Winnipeg Real Estate Board released its July sales figures and it indicated a clear departure from previous months. Yeah, Brett, the report indicated single family home pricing peaked in May. This is the case now, uh, with 3,700 active listings available at the end of July compared to half that amount in the first four months of 2022. Also, 2,359 listings were entered in July. That's an increase of 9% over July of 2021. And the price point, and that's a number that a lot of people pay attention to, the year-to-date average condominium sales price is just under $265,000. That's just under $20,000 higher than the 2021 average selling price of $244,957. So how is all this translating in the field, so to speak? Tracy Cramble Mainland is a realtor in Manitoba and joins us now. Hi, Tracy. You got that so close. It's Tracy Mainline Cramble, but it's all good. Oh, did I did I mix up your your names there? Gee whiz. That's okay. It's all good. All right. Well, we'll fix that before we let you off the air. Sorry, Tracy. (laughs) I follow you religiously on social on on the social networks and and on and Instagram in particular. And I know you're busy, but have you noticed a change in the types of calls you're fielding from prospective buyers and sellers? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, the, the market is kind of correcting itself. And I, I looked at some stats last night after our text. And, you know, when you look back five years ago, um, there's some significant changes, of course, the number of sales, all that kind of fun stuff. Average price definitely has changed from five years ago. But the big one that I see is time on market. So time on market five years ago was probably about anywhere from 30 to 50 days, depending on the category you were looking in. And now we're, we don't even look at time on market anymore because the last two years has been so insane. So what we're finding right now is that, you know, time on market is starting to become a, a numeric number that we're starting to look at because properties are sitting on market a little bit longer. Um, one of the big things, though, that is an opportunity is, is great for first-time home buyers. Um, first-time home buyers in the past two years haven't really had some great opportunities. They've been paying higher prices. Um, they've been in a lot of bidding wars, but it's a great time for first-time home buyers to get back into that real estate market. They they have properties that are sitting a little bit longer. There's not as many bidding wars. They're still happening, but nowhere near what they were even six months ago. So it's it's a great opportunity, and that's the way we're kind of looking at things. Is that yes, the market is correcting itself. It's it's still not quite a balanced market. Like we're we're still going to come down a little bit, I think, to get to that balanced market. But it is an opportunist time for a lot of people that couldn't participate in the market previously. Have more people gone into real estate, like as a career switch, trying to, to get in on all the crazy action that we've been seeing over the last couple of years? Yeah, the last two years, for sure, there's been a huge influx of realtors, absolutely. Um, and then I think what's what's happening is that 
You know, a lot of people look at, oh, I'm going to get into real estate. It's great. Look at all the people making all this money. But when it actually comes down to it, um, you know, there's especially the last two years, not speaking the current market, but in the last two years, you'd have one property up and there was about 30 realtors participating in that one property. Only two people win out of that, the listing agent and the selling agent. The other 29 people or 28 people are still moving on. So it's a lot more work. And I think a lot of the new agents that are getting into the industry are finding that, that you're looking at a lot more houses because the market was so crazy. So, yeah, there's been absolutely a, a huge surge in, in people getting into it. The laws changed a little bit, too, about four years ago, maybe five now, um, where you could be a part-time realtor. So previously in Manitoba, that was not permitted. And now that is permitted. So you're seeing a lot more part-time people, too. So multiple offers on many listings was incredibly common through the pandemic. Quality listings attracted uh, more than than one interested buyer. And so that drove the price up. Are you still seeing that? Well, it's it's interesting. I think it really depends on the property. So it's definitely going, um, you're seeing it less and less. And more people aren't doing offer nights. They're doing more so um, offers as received, if you want to call it that. Um, so it, it, we're seeing less and less offer nights. And I think a big part of it is because the market has cooled down, there's less buyers out there looking. Uh, but it really depends on the property. There's going to be some of those properties that are in incredibly hot markets. They're priced the right way. They're going to have a lot of action on them. So there is still multiple offers happening and, and bid nights. But it's getting less and less. Now, sales without conditions. I know Greg uh, is a property owner, owns a few properties, and I believe those uh, used to drive Greg crazy. Are those types of sales without conditions still occurring? You know, I'm glad you brought this up because that's also an opportunity now that it really is correlated with first-time home buyers, especially um, with every buyer, is that you're able to put conditions now on properties. Um, for example, I had one just recently that was actually conditional on a house sale. You haven't heard of that in eons, um, like, you know, a good couple of years anyway. Um, so it, it, uh, it's conditions are absolutely happening more and more now. So um, especially with those first-time home buyers, like I, I'm a big proponent of always having a finance condition, especially, and then inspection conditions. Previously, we were doing pre-offer inspections, which were not as in-depth as a, as a post-offer inspection. So those were happening. So people could still get inspections, but they weren't that in-depth one, where now you can actually put an offer with financing, with home inspection, with subject to the sale of my property. Those are happening more and more and more. Tracy MainlandCramble.ca is the website. You can follow her on Instagram. She's a solid follow. Uh, lots of great tips and uh, to keep you up to date on what's happening in the real estate market. Tracy, thank you for this this morning. We appreciate it very much. Well, thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is in for connecting Winnipeg and we are still deliberating uh, the winner of the WWE <laughs> Friday Night Smackdown ticket. I need you to respond to your text messages, Greg. I was I busy doing something else, Brett. Well, I'm sorry, that, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Communication. Okay, so yeah, I'm going to yeah, leave the yeah. choosing the winner in your hands. Oh, no, and you're not. Yes, I am. All and right. I'm going to read this text from Stacy and right. allow you to deliberate who's going to be our winner. <laughs> okay. Stacy says, I went skydiving, tandem jump from 14,000 feet, 60 second free fall. I was sitting on the plane floor with my back to the controls, terrified I'd accidentally press something and we'd stall. And when they opened the door, I distinctly remember how windy it was and how hard it was to swing my feet out and put them on the foot plate. They told us in advance that they'd be looking for a signal that you are ready, but it can't be verbal because no sounds a lot like go. And then we jumped and it was amazing. Landed safely. Would love to do it again. And I, as somebody who has gone skydiving, not from 14,000 feet, from 3,000 feet, I can attest to just how loud it was because I was, um, the way I did it, I flew, I jumped solo. I had to crawl out onto this foot plate that was below the door and hang, like put my hands on the wing and then just let my feet go and hang there. And the instructor was right in my face, like six inches from my face. And he was saying something to me, couldn't hear a word because mm -hmm. we we're going like 80 miles an hour, um, 3000 feet in the air. So eventually he just gave me a thumbs up and I let go. So 
Yeah. Um, but Stacy, I, I hear you. The anxiety uh, is is it's crazy, but it's so thrilling up there. Uh, you had flagged a runner up and then we'll pick a winner. Okay. So this comes from Miles North End. Miles says, Good morning, guys. Back in the day, my buddies talked me into sneaking into the Hell's Bells tour. I'm guessing ACDC, uh, Miles. Uh, they were fixing the old barn, the old arena, putting in escalators, had to climb and shimmy across steel beams and climb through a hole in the wall. I'm scared of heights to start with. 20 foot drop, broke oh. my ankle. But what a concert. <laughs> fought through the pain <laughs> to stay for the concert. That's great, Miles. Uh, but who is our winner? Chrissy is our winner. We will read Steve's in the next segment, but Chrissy is our winner. I've always been afraid of heights. When my husband and I were in our 20s, we went on a dream trip to Australia with my best friend. She and my husband are daredevils, and I prefer not to risk my life. On the last leg of our trip, the opportunity to go bungee jumping arose. They were in immediately, of course. I had absolutely no desire to do it, but FOMO, fear of missing out, had me, and I didn't want to go home and listen to them tell their amazing bungee jumping stories and say I was too scared. I convinced myself that maybe it would miraculously cure me of my fear Nothing about it was good. Finish reading this one up, Brett. I asked when you feel the relief of the tension on the cord and knowing when you, or pardon me, I asked the guy if he would push me and he of course said no. I didn't even jump. I couldn't. I just leaned. It was awful. Just when you feel the relief of the tension on the cord and knowing you didn't die, you rebound and do it all over again. We have photos and videos and you can actually see the fear on my face and my rigid body every second of the way. And no, it did not cure me mm. of my fear of heights. It actually intensified it. My dad lives on the 18th floor of his building. I will not go out on his balcony and I can't look when my kids go out there. Worst experience ever, says Chrissy. Chrissy, you're going to SmackDown for sharing that story. Congratulations. September 30th, Canada Life Center, WWE Friday Night SmackDown.